Alright, alright. Calm your asses down. The Dose Chunkies Podcast is full motherfucking effect. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the motherfucking show. Hey, yo, Easy. You got anything to tell these motherfuckers? Yo, I'm Easy E. I'm MC Ran from NWA. And when we're in San Diego, we kick you with the Dose Chunkies Podcast. Everybody, welcome to the Dose Chunkies podcast. Uh, tonight we have a very special guest. Um, I know for the last quite quite a many uh, episodes we haven't had a guest. Um, so this past week I had a real real rough week personally, and then as I scroll through social media, I see a very good friend of mine post something that she was dealing with that week. And I've seen it as inspiring because I watch her from afar. I've seen her on multiple podcast interviews. I've seen her um, post what she believes in. I, I see her post uh, her her boyfriend's clothing line, promote that, promoting positivity in the neighborhood. And it was inspiring. So I felt like, hey, I was telling Albert, like, let's have a, my good friend on, on the show and I wanted you on here earlier, but now I have you on here. Joni Lopez, a.k.a. Chicana Con Safos. What's happening? Hey, thank you for having me. Oh, a.k.a. Joni Lope. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say, I, I've seen her grow from like back in the days on MySpace. And that's, you know been, what? Well, like, that's been 15 years Damn, since MySpace. That's crazy. that's crazy, right? But you know, honestly, like I didn't, I didn't, I don't see you like, like, growing in that sense right Right. you've always been like that person that um i don't know you've just been you you've been unique you know your music like you shared with us earlier you're like you said you're you're an old soul like i didn't see you as that that little kid you were just like hey so and so you know the homie ketchup was like hey this i know ketchup you know ketchup this and that and then after that it's just kind of been you know we've been friends ever since so it's it's a trip um, as far as you growing, I seen you on your journey, like, yeah. like craziness, like it was crazy just to see you like go to go to graduate high school, go to college, <laughs> like graduate from college, be involved with the community, and uh, it's and been gra- it's a it's, and then graduate again, <laughs> right? And then you continue to go to school. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, ALR just stepped in the building right now. Yo. Oh shit! You already dropped it. You already dropped it. I already it. started, bro. Like we we on we on a we on a time clock here. I already did the drop, bro. All right, man. <laughs> we interviewing Joni Loke. Oh, shit. No doubt. So um, let's jump right into it. I got. I wanna. I want your guys' opinion on this. You're gonna just be Joni. You're gonna be like a co-host, and we'll get into whatever we get into. We're gonna freestyle, but um, Word. what do you guys feel about this Astro World? show that had tragedy with it rest in peace to the people that lost their life um so far i've heard there's what 13 people that passed away i think something nine, like that 
What was this in LA? It was this in LA? No, it was in Houston. I think it was oh, Houston. Okay. Uh, I the sat. Oh no! Go the ahead. saddest one I the saddest one I saw today the is that a nine year old kid lost her life. What was a nine year old kid doing at a music festival yeah. during COVID? During COVID. <laughs> yeah. With, with with so many people, like as a nine year old kid, I wasn't allowed to go places like that. You know. Um, and it's just kind of crazy. So I just wanted to, you know, send send my my thoughts and my my positive vibes to the families that have lost somebody because, you know, all three of us have been through some stuff in our life. Um, Joni, share us a little bit about yourself and what you're involved with in, in the community, and so the for the people that are listening that don't know who you are and what what you're about. Well, my name is Joni, and I'm born. I was born and raised here in um, Logan Heights, but I guess. You can say I reside in, in the Butter Logan um, area. Um, my family has been here since the late '70s. I want to say um, my abuelitos—they they were from. Well, my whole family was born in Michoacan, but my dad and my mom are from the same pueblo. However, my dad's uh, parents—they they migrated to Tijuana in the late '60s. And then started working over here in the fields and in Pinitas. Um, my grandpa would actually go to Blythe, Delano. Um, he was also part of the Bracero movement in the 40s, where a lot of um, Mexicans uh, were given like, like visas, permits to come work. Uh, working with, visas? Yeah, working visas to work over here in the, in the farm fields when, you know, it was World War II and everybody was you know, fighting the war, they needed, they needed us, right? Um, so he, he came, he was here for a bit, and then we, he would send the money back home. And then the Cesar Chavez um, thing was going on, right? The, the, with the farm workers and the, the UFW. So he was also part of that. Um, but by then, I think he was living in Tijuana and then crossing over. And then eventually they actually, um, I just finished watching the Legion of Doom, um, with uh, Tony A and Tony uh, on Rodeo and Radio and my grandparents they grew up in San Isidro not grew up but they established there once they moved to I guess to the U.S. in the I want to say in the 70s um, and they lived right there by La Bodeguita <laughs> um, by Bayer I think um, and they died there in 2016 both of them died the same year um, but wow. my dad, yeah, my wow. in the same little little um, apartment. Um, my dad and my fields, they, they moved over here to, to Logan Heights. Um, and they live in Ocean View. They live in Webster, Quay, um, K Street as well. That's more on the other side. But um, I've been here. And then um, I right now I'm currently in Unión del Barrio. It's a grassroots organization that we actually just um, we just uh, had our, not necessarily our celebration yet, but our, our 40th uh, anniversary. And, you know, we have different sectors that we work for, the, for the community, you know, the prisons, um, the youth, um, community resistance, pretty much, you know, uh, teachers. There's, there's, there's so much that, that, we, that we do, not only here in San Diego, but also in LA. And um, what else? I recently graduated from CSD with a bachelor's in um, U.S. Latino Latin American literature, so with a minor in Chicano studies. 
And I also graduated from San Diego City College with two AAs um, in English and Chicano Studies with a creative writing certificate. Um, so I'm not ashamed of saying that I started a community college and, and I was there for a very long time because I could not pass math. <laughs> and um, that, that and I hate me, I hate it. That gave me a big setback. Like I had to take classes um, all the way to uh, Mesa College because they didn't give that specific class here at City College because a lot of people who would fail it, they would have to take refresher courses. And then if you failed like more than three times, then you had to go to a different college. So that that happened to me. Um, But then I took statistics and that was way easier than algebra. I actually got a B. (laughs) And that was something big for me because I was always averaging C. Um, but I can write a 10-page paper like that, and I can read and I can comprehend other things, just math and science, not my thing. Um, and so I graduated um, that, and then obviously UCSD, and then COVID hit, and I haven't really done much ever since. But oh, I, I hate to interrupt, but I will say, fuck COVID, dude. <laughs> that ruined everything <laughs> yep. for everybody, man. Hey, that ruined everything. Horrible. Fuck over. But um, I'm also a published writer. I have several stories published in several anthologies. Um, One is called Sunshine Sunshine Noir, second edition. And it talks about that that anthology talks about like um, the other side of San Diego. So not just, you know, everybody think when everybody thinks of San Diego, they think of like all the the beaches, the, the Coronado, you know, like the wealthy side of it, right? But they don't know that there's like other sectors, right? Um, and I talked about my grandparents' story, which I just mentioned, and how my family grew up um, working in Encinitas, a wealthy place, right, here in San Diego. But then you have the farm workers there with the flower fields or whatnot, and that's a big, um, I guess you can say, immigrant community, right, that works that land um so my story was a little bit about that and then on the second anthology oh and i also have some pictures that i published there um and in this and in that anthology i'm actually published with jimmy santiago vaca who wrote um the spring case for blood in blood out so i got to read him and and i can say i'm publishing the same anthology as him right um that's dope yeah and then the second book is reclaiming our stories and it's about resiliency and empowerment and, and also struggles that we face here in our community. A lot of the people that were writing there were from South San Diego. Some were college students and other, other ones were just you know, students, um, community members, I think some professors as well. And that one I talked about my relationship with my half-siblings and how I remember growing up not really having that relationship with them. But having the relationship of me knowing that they were in prison and then me going, visiting them while they were incarcerated and then the separation of families because they were deported. And so I'm, I talk a little bit about that. And um, and yeah, I've been published, I think, in community college uh, journals as well. So I, I have a passion for writing. And this whole COVID thing, I've been wanting to write and I've been saying that forever. But I think now I kind of I kind of know what I want to start doing, and I don't want to say it yet because I feel like 
I need to do it first, and then I can tell people what I work, I want to work on. But, what about um, the other thing? What about the other thing you're supposed to do, but we haven't said? I know. I need to get on that too. So that's actually part of the project as well. Exclusive, exclusive. Um, we're gonna do that. We're gonna do like those chunkies exclusive. Those chunkies exclusive. Yes. How, how long have you been after me to write the book? <laughs> it's been it's been a long time. Probably like what ten years? Has it? Yes. Probably right. about ten years. She wants to write a GPA book. Oh, okay, I was like, to. I'm lost here. And, yeah, the, and the, he, he gave me the keys to do it. <laughs> she got the Yavis. She got the Yavis to the exclusive. So, hey, if there's any other books that are that are that are written about me, <laughs> it's about grade point average. It's not about me. Not- <laughs> <laughs> I start uh, once long ago. There was a man. Once long ago, he <laughs> was a man with a vision. <laughs> with a vision, even though he wore glasses with a tank top. <laughs> No, but, but that's, no, that's, that's that shadow dude with the tank top, yeah, bro. With a Mr. Shadow. Tank but, but, that's one, <laughs> but that's one thing I, I do want to do. Though. Like, I want to write. Um, and and I was actually just recently asked to be in a documentary celebrating the 50 years um, uh, anniversary of the Chicano Studies Department at City College. Cool. And to me, that's like an honor, right? Because, I mean, 50 years is a long time, right? My mom was... I actually know my mom's 70 something but um my one of my oldest brothers is about to be 50 so i'm like mm-hmm. that's like a whole generation right there right but um I'm, I'm, yeah i'm four years away from that <laughs> but there's a lot that has been happening in the last 50 years here in san diego we had chicano park right the development they just celebrated i think the 51st year yep um we had the central cultura de la raza as well you know that they're, they had just celebrated their 50th so all of these things are happening here in San Diego. There's Raza, there's Chicano, you know, movement happening. A lot of people think, oh, LA has the biggest Chicano movement, but they forget that we also have one here, right? And mm-hmm. that's something huge here. So I bring that up because I was also asked to share pictures that I have that I have from the years that I was at City College. And I was there for seven years. I know a very long time. But um, I got to see a lot of things and be involved in a lot of things. Um, from walkouts to, you know, bringing the Yotinapa parents um, over to, you know, um, taking out Border Patrol from City College. Like, we're, you know, we're doing shit, right? Uh, so what, I'm what did you do with the Border Patrol? I'm sorry to interrupt. The Border Patrol wanted to come and, and put up a little booth at Community College, kind of telling people to sign up so that they can work for them. But it's majority of people at City College are undocumented. Not a majority, but a lot of them are undocumented or the Raza or um, Somali or other. Like, they actually had feared. They were fearing that Border Patrol was actually there. So we we said, hell no, you're not going to come and, and, and do that. So we kicked I them out. I hate the Border Patrol. We kicked That's them out. I mean, they, they, create, they create fear in our community. You know, I, can, yeah. I, I don't know how many times I can tell you that my mom was traumatized going to San Isidro because she was undocumented and to go to my grandma's house you had to pass through that little section where the border patrol would always be at so mm-hmm. you know it just so we kicked them out that, that time but I, I, that's one thing I take pictures at any place I go I have my camera and, and I'm like okay great I have all these pictures I can share they're not just sitting there in my hard drive but um I want to get good, like like Albert. Though I want, I want. Um, no, nah, hey, hey, he's ill on the ones and twos. He hey, when you, when you do a uh, GPA book, you gotta go take pictures of 
Yeah. Okay, no, yeah. There you go. You but then my face is blurred out though. <laughs> my face is blurred out. Oh, it's got one of those 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 straight black sensor bars across. I told them. I told them to get the luchador man. Oh my god. There you go. I don't know. I don't know if you remember. Just yeah, I used to. I used to mess with Photoshop back in the days. She was all very yeah. She was all about that. So let's go. Let's just let's hit that one. MySpace days, right? MySpace days hit. I jumped on MySpace. I think it was like 2006, 2007 ish, and I that's that Albert right there is when I realized, holy shit, people know that GPA name because by this time I wasn't even involved with music. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna start GPA GPA music page. And let's see what fucking happens. And it was a trip because I had messages from all over the place. Joni was one of them. It was like, hey, you're dope. I like your music. Hey, by the way, we have a oh, common yeah. friend, right? Uh, she mentioned the homie Ketchel, rest in peace, Ketchel. Um, and then we, then she knew her music, dude. She knew like, she knew old school music. She knew like the music that was out. She knew she knew her shit, right? So over the years we chopped it up, but it was a trip just to see that the music. It didn't ever necessarily have to be people that were the same age as me, but it was people that were still vibing with that music. Um, I, at that time, I got I think I got messages from France and New Finland and Germany and Japan, Australia. Um, the first interview I ever did was 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 uh because of myspace somebody from australia reached out to me and i did an interview and i don't think anybody heard it um, and i've been looking for that interview dude i don't know where it's at i might have it like on a hard drive from an old computer i just don't know where it's at dude, um but through the through the years so like through the years jody and i have just been in contact right and when i i consider a good friend of mine and like we were talking before we started the show um she's like oh you've seen me grow but i was like no i i, I didn't see you like as this little kid grow into who you are today you, she's always still been the same right aside from not having the rooster next door anymore oh my that? god <laughs> <laughs> oh she's my always, god hey bro she's always complaining oh about this god. rooster that was next it was door red red orange big rooster that it was a pet and i told her kill it make mole out of it <laughs> it used to but, always uh, it used to always chase my mom <laughs> And would it actually like curl like at the like would it would it actually like make noise at in the at the at when the sun rises and all that too or what? I I don't remember. I don't I don't think so. But whenever my mom would come out the house, it would go after her. I would think because of my wheels, because I'm I am disabled, I would yep. think that it would chase me. But no, it would chase my mom. And then and then the rooster died, and the neighbor got a, a turtle, one of those old the turtle. What are they called? The uh, those big turtles. The tortoises? Tortoise, yeah. Sand turtles or something like that? The ones that don't need no water? And one of my but friends... But they're huge, right? They're right, huge? They're, well, they weren't that big. They're, I mean, they were, it was kind of big. It would walk pretty fast for a turtle, I guess. My friend ended, ended up running it over. So oh, I got damn. To, I got to hear how the, the, the shell cracked. And it was oh, really loud. Shit, and we felt so bad because <laughs> the kid had just lost his, his rooster. And now he lost his, his turtle. Could have made some soup though. Hey, but, did your friend did your friend take off or he stopped? No, she she felt horrible. We were both crying, and, and then my uncle felt bad and gave the kid another little turtle, but it was a water turtle, but it was not the same. And it dried out. And it dried out, yeah. So, but I always <laughs> remember that. I 
always remember that freaking rooster. Because so we would always thing, comment about it on, on my stream. Yeah, because he was like, hey, what's up with that rooster? But the <laughs> one thing I do want to, I think, and you, and, you, and you just touched on it lightly, like, I remember you kind of being, like, very private on your life. Mm-hmm. And I remember that day you told me, you're like, hey, I'm in a wheelchair. And I'm like, so? Like, it didn't, it didn't change. And then yeah. knowing and hearing your story, like, I've known you for as long, I've known you for quite a long time. But I didn't really know your story until you did the Tony A interview. And my wife and I were sitting here watching it. And it, it humbled me. It inspired me. It was like, damn, like, you, 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 you've been through some shit and you don't let it stop you. Um, like I was talking to you guys before we started this, like this past week, Albert and I, uh, we've been hermits. <clears throat> I had my own little personal um, thing with my son being 21. He had his son's birthday the next day being the same thing. So we kind of, I, I know personally, I just got went into my, the Sasquatch, uh, kept, uh, uh, Albert was like, what's good? What's, what's happening, man? I'm like, the Sasquatch is in the woods. Yeah. Yo, that's, what a trip, dude, that our boys have back-to-back birthdays. What a trip. Yeah, I was thinking crazy. about that. I was thinking about that the other day. Like, so I, I, you know, I, I stepped back and then I saw what you posted. Was it Sunday, right? Was it Sunday? Yeah, Monday. it was Sunday. It was Sunday. Sunday. And it's like, okay, we're going to get, we got to get Joni on the show to tell her story because if, when I hear it, when I talk to you, how well you're educating and articulate yourself and knowing that you didn't let a damn thing stop you, it makes me say to myself get the hell out of the woods now and, and keep it pushing right and it and it, it again like you know I don't like I said again I don't see you being that person I see you being a, a powerful person for the community I see you being a, a powerful person for the for the younger generation of young women that are coming up that are raza and don't know their heritage um, and don't know where they come from or they don't understand the struggles that not only you but the people, our family that's had to go through, like all of us have had somewhere in our, in our lineage, we've had immigrants in our family, right? We, we weren't, our family wasn't originally from San Diego. Like we, we came from another place and I believe all of our families have had to face racism and had to face the struggle of being not the status quo at the time. Um, my grandfather, he's, he's OG from Logan, right? My grandfather was born in 1930. And he tells me stories of Logan Heights back in the 40, early, like early 40s, how Logan Avenue was in the early 40s. I remember him telling me, hey, let's go over here. Let's drive. I'm going to show you where my house used to be. So we drove towards Nasco. And you know that street by the, the, the gas station where you cut in to, to hit the freeway? Mm. So we passed the freeway entrance and we get to Boston. It's like, all right, my house is right here. Well, where's your house? He's like, and he points to the middle of the freeway. Oh, my. He's like, that's where my house is at. I was like, really? The house you grew up in? He goes, yeah. And then he showed me like a part of by Nasco where there used to be these sand, these sand piles, and he used to sleep there because him and his dad didn't get along. So he was, and he'd tell me stories about like going to Juvenile Hall when Juvenile Hall was in uh, in Mission Valley. So he has a lot of history on that. And then him being on Logan Avenue, I took him to. Uh, here's a funny story. I took him to the Carito when it first opened back up again. Mm-hmm. And he was nervous to go inside, and I was like, "What's wrong, man?" He's like, "Oh, last time I was here, I got kicked out." 
I said, what year was that? He was like, 1952. I was like, they're not even here anymore. <laughs> right? So I have heard his perspective on what, how he feels like the Logan Avenue and the, I, I, for the lack of, I mean, it, honestly, it's gentrification, right? Right. What, what, what are you being a person that grew up in, the, in that neighborhood? Like, what do you feel about that? Is it good for the community? Is it bad for the community? Like, what, what what's your thoughts on, on gentrification that's happening in all areas of San Diego and the world, actually? You mentioned the, the Freeway 5, right? Or the mm-hmm. That was like, I guess you can say that's where when gen- the first sign of gentrification is when freeways come and cut through your community, right? You see that happening in LA, you see that happening here. Um, and that's why I mentioned earlier, Logan Heights was... You know what? What's even now Chicano Park, like that area, right? By the Logan, and then the freeway comes and cuts it into two. Um, and and I, I learned something because I used to be part of the planning group for Barrio Logan. That if you live across the bridge, so if you live like on Irving or Julian, you're you, can, you cannot be part of the members for the planning group of Barrio Logan because you belong to the southeast one, I think. It's a, oh, they have okay. different they have different ones right but like it's the same people from like right here you know? but anyway um and then you have I guess now if you think of, of Logan Avenue right how it is being gentrified because the places they're brown businesses right but the owners of the actual building are not brown people they're white people who rent these spaces to people like me and you um and then what happens is that they see it's you know people are coming tourism whatever and then our prices our rent prices go up i can tell you that my rent has gone up in the last three years at least twice and i'm talking about a hundred every time so pretty much pretty pretty soon i'm not going to be able to afford this low income house or apartment that i'm in because of you know everything that's happening from i i heard that they're going to put a roscoe's nearby um you know, that's going to go up. Parking already sucks. Um, even when Petco came into, you know, nearby, that also priced up our rent. I think everyone in my family no longer lives in Logan because, again, they couldn't they couldn't afford it. Um, and like I said, it has not. And I know that some people say gentrification, right? Which is a little different than gentrification um, because it's like, brown businesses or whatnot but until we actually own those businesses it's going to have effects on the community and then a lot of the times that people that have these spaces in our community are not even from here they may be raza but a lot of them are probably from LA and now they want to come over here and make a brewery or something and then is is it benefiting our community How how is it benefiting our community are they giving back to you know the kids or, or some or something right and i think some people here in, in, in that in that block i think some of them do give back in different ways talk, t- tell us about your like musical preferences though joni because it's not like you're uh you're like a one like you you know your stuff man i know i know a little bit so i and i do want to go back to talking about my accident eventually don't yeah, don't, definitely. Let me, don't let me forget that thing. but um uh-huh. I, I can go on some tangents sometimes but um yeah I grew up like I said my mom she's 70 doesn't know a word in English however she loved Beatles the Rolling Stones the Curtains. so she bums hardcore at that 24 7 I don't know a lot of their songs because that's not 
doesn't really make up a tea that much. Um, but she also bumps a lot of like oldies in Espanol or rock mm. rock and roll in Espanol. So like anything that I just mentioned from like Beatles or Stones, you have like Los Absin who used to make them into Spanish. Um, when un café and like all these songs, right? And then um, those those old friends from Tijuana, those moonlights from Tijuana, like all that stuff. Like I grew up, I grew up listening to that. Um, and then my tío, he's he's friends with some of those groups from Tijuana because he grew up. He was raised here. One of my tíos was raised here in, in San Isidro, and he's around. I think he's like 55 or so. So he grew up a little, no cholito himself too, you know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a little bit of that, but then on my dad's side, my dad, he likes a lot of like Norteño music, Cadetes de Linares, Chalino Sanchez, Jose Alfredo Jimenez, you know. That's our shit right there. Hell yo, yeah. That's, yo, that's my so shit when, right there. When I, when I used to drink here and there, uh, all of a sudden I'm like, I want to sing those Cadetes, and then I would sing that. Um, that's, that was usually my, my drunk song, I would sing for that, and I can't sing for, for nothing. But um But when you're my, drunk you can. I think so. <laughs> Everybody can when they're drunk. I feel you on that aspect. I listen to all that stuff. Uh, I, lo- I love Chelino Sanchez. I love, yeah. Um, I love even to like um, like Jose Jose. Jose. No, like, yeah, Jose Jose for like all type of genres, like all type from back Juan Gabriel, Rocio Duchal. Oh, my, my, my nana love that guy, man. Yeah. Juan Gabriel would be on TV like, hey, Jeffrey, shut up. I want to watch you, man. Yeah. Los Temerarios, that's my shit right there. Los Rookies. Oh, everything los, from that era. Everything from that era is like... Los Tigres del Norte are probably one of my favorite of all los time. Los Tigres. Los Tucanes. Los Tucanes as well. Um, but yeah. all that yeah, from that like, era. I didn't like, I didn't like uh, Los Bookies, dude, because I knew I'd never have hair like them. Dude. <laughs> Bro, those bookies, man. It's, those bookies is like they're like, oh, who can who could top Drake in like yep. love songs? Don't Marco Antonio Solis, you don't want it, man. Drake, oh, you want, fa- dude? Bro, I worked a show of his at the Civic Theater. Uh-huh. Talking about pack, wall to wall, and it was like ninety percent chicks. Oh yeah, <laughs> dude. Like honestly, it was ninety percent chicks, and they were after him, bro. Like they were on it. They were throwing you stuff know, on stage. Do you know what bookies? Uh, is read the about it. Bookies? Yeah, I read about it, no. but um, I forgot. But there's a meaning. Run it, run uh, it. From what from what my mom, what my mom has told me, I don't know if it's true, but she says that that's what they call like muchachos and, and Michoacan because he's they're from Michoacan. Okay. So Google it. I'm not sure, but that's what she told me. Maybe she was lying to me. But um. But yeah, no, I, I, um, my uncles, they bump a lot of that and like Los Muecas or Ooh, Los, los Muecas, that's my shit yeah, right there. Los Babies, Los Freddies, my, my cousins are friends with some of these people. Grupo Mojado. And I just, uh, I just found out, I recently found out that I'm related to the guy, the lead singer right now of, um, El Grupo Brindis. Oh, Brindis? Oh, no way. Oh, shit. Yeah. Are you serious? Andy, the, the lead singer, he is my mom's cousin's son what and i was wow, the reason crazy. why i found out was because my mom's cousin passed away of covid last year and then my mom was like oh he has a son and i looked him up and i'm like he's famous <laughs> like what's going on and and one of my friends um from la he, he or from Oxnard, he's like i went to school with him I'm like wow what a small world Dude, right i mean uh, but going back Samurai. to um 
going back to my to the music, um, like I mentioned, a lot of my cousins are at least 15 years older, 15 years older than me. The youngest one is probably like seven years, um, six years older than me. And um, so they used to take care of my brother and I, my younger brother and I, when mom would go and clean the Lone Heights Clinic, because that, that was her, her job back in the day. And um, so my primos would take care of me, and all they used to bump was Tupac, West Coast music, Dr. Dre, um, any any hip hop, rap, 24-7, also Chicano rap was huge. Not so much LA Chicano rap, but more San Diego, or San Diego hip hop rap music, not just Chicano Diego rap, rap. San Diego rap, right. So I grew up listening to Big June, <laughs> Little CS, Carol Felony, um, you know, you name it, right? Like, and um, and my cousin, he used to do music back in the day. He, he got an, an, he has an album out, made uh, some appearances. He has a, sh- a song with Shadow as well. Um, Who is it? Uh, Greedy Local. Back, he only made one album back in the day. But what's wrong with one album? No, no, nothing's wrong. <laughs> I was literally just gonna point What's that. Wrong with one album. Hey, well, no, no. A lot of people are like, he should have made more. You know, let me yeah, stop they you hear right. that all the time. And, and, it, it, and one thing I, one thing I do want to say, is it was not cheap. You know, it was not cheap making that album. Um, nope. From what I remember, um, it took them years and it took a lot of money from everybody in the family. Sac- to put it and sacrifices. One and song. sacrifices, right? So. um but because of him, I, you know, I see and him and other people, right? Um, my other primos or whatnot, they put me up on games and it came to music, games to earn, LOD, um, yep. even LSD and like other, other, other rappers. Um, and then I love oldies. That's another thing I love. I love oldies. Spanish music, I will say, like, it's bare. That's something new for me. Like more recent that I kind of discovered as I grew older. I was like, okay, let me go back and listen to some of some Spanish, some music in Spanish. And so I, you know, there's a few things that I like now. But but that's pretty much what I listen to. Or old school, a lot of freestyle music I like as well. Um, but any any hood gangster shit I like. <laughs> yeah. I, I I you know I'm yeah. not afraid. And my boyfriend he's like, man. How do you know? Yeah, I'm like, I, hey, I grew up with a lot of guys in my family, yeah, like my homies, you know? Like, yeah. yeah, so I'm like, and, and trip out. I got to meet Big June at City College when we were doing um, a Ferguson Ayotzinapa event. So we were protesting um, Black, Black Lives Matter and um, the 43 students that recently they just said that they were actually murdered, um, but they were missing back then. Um, and ALT Napa and they were saying that the state did it and they couldn't find find, you know, where they were at or whatnot. A lot of talent coming out of San Diego. A lot of talent. A lot of it. A lot of talent. So during that time that's when I met June and he thought that I I had gone up to him because of the poster that he was like he had up. I forgot what it said, like I don't I can't remember. Black Lives Matter, whatever. And um, I was like, nah, I know who you are. You're Big June. He's like, oh, snap. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, you know, I got to meet Tiny Do and like all these other rappers. Um, and they do pretty cool stuff for the community as well. They were doing activism. And so I'm like, Did all they right, do like I'm a gonna... march and a, they did a march and an album, right? 
Yeah, they have an album uh, called Reclaiming the Community or RTC. I have that album somewhere uh, with Odessa Kane as well. Um, shout out to Odessa so, Kane. Yeah, shout out to Odessa. It's pretty cool as well. And um, I think Issei Uno is on there as well. It was a Southeast collab. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I grew up on on that. You probably see me, you probably don't even think that I know some of the stuff, right? But, yeah. GPA, Slapping of make, course. Make slap. Oh, who's that guy? GPA, <laughs> man. Sunday will legend. Yeah. No. There you go. I, I, still, I, I still have my CDs that were like mixed CDs, but some of his music as well. Yeah, same here. I boot like a couple of his songs. It's okay. <laughs> I don't. Don't tell him. Okay? I don't. don't tell him. Don't, hey, don't tell Mount Hollis. <laughs> Man, there's a lot of people out there, man. There's a lot of a lot of talent out of San Diego. Over here in North County, there's not really any you could say Chicano rappers that are talented. Not that many, so but San Diego, Southeast, all San Diego. Dude, like that that so I'm gonna I'm gonna do my little history part here. Like (laughs) with San Diego, it was everyone. You had Mexicans, you had blacks, you had Guamanian, you had Filipino, like all these, all the, it's, it's the environment, bro, like, and it sucks, because we had some of the biggest talents here in San Diego, but it just, we have to go north of San Diego to, you know what I'm saying, we have to get north of San Diego to get noticed, San Diego, man, if you, if you had the time and the place and the money and the resources to track down almost every album that came out of San Diego, I guarantee you that you're going to like probably 95% of it. And you can 90% hear... 90% Nah, 95, bro. I, 90. Put, I put my money... I put my I put my money on that. 95%. 90. 90. 95, bro. Because you don't even know half the people that I know, doc. Cool. Honestly, it's 90, Straight up. Bro, I know. Straight up. I know, okay. 90, no, you don't, 90%. bro. You're, you're limited, bro. You're right 98%. here. 98%. You're right here. All right, 90%. Uh, I'm, gonna say, I, I'm gonna say 95, and it's just different. It's different walks of life, different styles. You know what I'm saying? Like, you wouldn't think that because it's San Diego from San Isidro all the way up to the border of Temecula, it'd be so different. But it is. They got everybody's got different stories and different struggles, and it's it's dope. And then there's also people there, bro, like that five percent, which is a big five percent. They just they're trash, dude. Like honestly, they're trash. <laughs> nah. I mean, oh man, dude, bro, don't, don't get me started on that. Yeah, we don't get we don't get ALR started because we man, I got I start got, bashing people. I got a couple rappers that are trash out there. <clears throat> I'm just gonna keep. Out uh, where? Just get out here in North County. Oh, okay. I don't know. You're gonna say San Diego? Because... San Diego. Oh yeah, it's actually San Diego. I'm sorry to refrain myself. It's from San Diego. But, North but County, yeah. bro. It's San Diego. Yeah. We're, we're on world out here. Yeah, yeah, you guys are the lot. Honestly, it's different, different style. Oh hell yeah, dude. We out here, man. Dude, it's rough out it's here. Different. Man. It's rough out here. Yeah, I, I can tell by your hair. It's rough. Dude. I haven't cut my hair. Look at mine, dude. Mine's stressing me out. It just keeps falling out. That's, I got that southeast receding hairline. Always. Oh my god. Are you gonna <laughs> do like? Hey, would you? If you got the whole COVID the rosemary. Look, I'm gonna paint the, it right here. The rosemary. <laughs> if you got the whole Kogan haircut, like the hair, like would you keep it? Like the whole Kogan? The, yeah, like if nah, the top bro. is bald. He doesn't the, have hair anymore, dog. No, his but headband, his hairband, his bandana has the hair. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on. Like you know how he was bald on top, and then the hair would be hanging from the back. 
You know I'm what I'm talking about? I'm rocking it, bro. I'm rocking that shit. I can see you, dude. I can see hey, you. Hey, so, man. so we're gonna digest. Did you have, did you have the mullet though? Hell yeah, I could <laughs> rock a mullet. I mean, it'd be a really small one. I could do like probably a mohawk. My hairline. What's the longest you had your hair, bro? No, like the longest. If recently in the last what, or just in my lifetime? Recently. Oh, dude, like right now, that's the longest I've had. I need a haircut right now. You pick it? Nah, that's too much work. What? I don't want to do that every other day, bro. Dude, you like a young Ving Diesel, dude. A Ving Diesel? Or The Rock. Bang Diesel, homie. Bang. <laughs> Bang Diesel. Nah, dude, I'm not, I'm not I'm out of shape, Vin Diesel. Like, Vin it, it, <clears> Diesel <throat> in between movies and shit. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So you ben, Diesel at the, ben Diesel at the Saquon Buffet. Oof, stop it. Stop it. They're going to stop and ask you for autographs? Yeah, dude. I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to show up to Fast and Furious events and pretend I'm him. Like that guy on Instagram? Have you guys seen that? Ben Diesel on Instagram? Have you seen that one, Tony? No. They're playing oh, like, yeah. they're playing like one of the songs from Fast and Furious and he gets out of a car, like that orange car that they have. It looks, it looks like him. And he's all shaking hands, except he's like five feet shorter, dude. He's like, oh, like five two, bro. He looks like the, he looks like the Kirkland ver- version of Vin Diesel. Right? Oh that shit is funny, dude. <laughs> dude, that is funny because he pulls up in the car and he's like short, dude, like a tree. He's super short and like kind of like pop belly. It doesn't look it, 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 for like <laughs> a half a second. I was like, that's not him. <laughs> but for the other half second, you were excited. You're like, yeah, hey. I was like that. <laughs> No, I ain't man. No. What the hell, dude? Well, where's That's Leon? Leon, where you at, Leon? Oh yeah, we're trying to find Leon from Fast and Furious. So this is our this is our mission for the year, Joni. And you can help us Fast out. Fast and too. Furious the character <laughs> Leon. All the all the new Fast and Furious movies. Everybody's come back, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's returned except for Leon. And you know what we're talking this, about, right? You've seen Fast and Furious. Some people I, don't know who he is. I, I really, I, I'll be honest. I've only seen like a couple, and it's been like the first okay. one. So we're gonna send you some information one. regarding Leon. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna use your network to get the word out that we want yes. to those Chunkies podcasters yes. to find you. out where the hell is Leon. Yes, <laughs> you find him. He's like, I just seen a post this week that I sent Albert. Ben Diesel reached out to The Rock. I know. Dude. To ask what him to be hell? on. Fast, Fast and Furious 10, the final one, but he ain't asking. He ain't asking Leon to come back. Maybe, oh, maybe wow. Leon. Maybe Leon kept going after the truck chase, dude. He kept going. He just kept driving. No, bro, because no, dude. He yes. was at he was at Race Wars, dude. No, but he was in Hemet, so he might be, he might be in Hemet because that's where they shot the last scene of the movie right there. He may be in Hemet, dude. dude. Maybe just like, hey, let's roll out. Like, nah, dog, I'm straight. They got a taquero, dude. I'm not rolling anywhere, bro. (laughs) Yeah, because I remember remember when they crashed and he took off. He's like, I can't do this anymore, dog, because I got this mixtape coming out next week, bro. Like, He was driving with Vin Diesel, wasn't he? When they left Paul Walker in the helicopter? Yeah, huh? Yeah, he took them. He, oh, so oh, so when he got he had he remember he had Lefty in the uh in the and he picked up Lefty in the car. So when he got to the he, house, where was he at? I don't know, dog. He said everybody. They dropped, him, they dropped him off at they dropped him off at the at the Walmart because he wanted to pick up some lotion for his elbows and he didn't show back up, bro. He said, I don't know, man. Go the other way, pizza boy. Yeah, maybe yeah, he's not delivering like, pizzas. Maybe he is. Maybe he's still doing it. Maybe he was uh, just like no you, contact, bro, like, no contact delivery. You know maybe he's just like you, like you, like you could walk by somebody and they don't know. It's and you. they not know it's me anymore, dude. 
Like you could go incognito, bro. Like I can't crazy. anymore, dude. I, I I got on camera this year, so I got to give it another ten years before people don't know who I am. You're a world-renowned podcaster now, so people really. I'm world-renowned from here to the to LA. You're in LA with our oh, ten yeah. listeners. This is the world. We got ten My listeners world. here. We got ten listeners. Yeah, we lost. We had twenty, but we lost ten of them. Yeah. So. <laughs> Because yeah. of uh, because of uh, Albert's rant about the Raiders a couple weeks ago, oh, people wow. left. We're not gonna bring that up again, though. Good, that's a touchy situation with us. Dude, like you're gonna make me cry. Okay, don't cry. So, Joni, yeah, tell us your story. Like, I, 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 I don't see you. I don't see that being the story that defines you, but I think it's important to to share it because it it starts with what you've done to be able to define yourself as a person. Yes. Oh, I'll, I'll love, I'll love to share it. Um, this is a Dos Chunkies exclusive, guys. Dos Chunkies exclusive. So you mentioned uh, earlier how um, back on MySpace time, um, I didn't share uh, half of my body, if you will. Um, I only would only take pictures of like, you know, waist up or whatever my face, and. One of the reasons was because I was underage, um, and I was always, I don't know, scared that somebody was going to recognize me, and you just never know, right, like, creepers out there. Um, and eventually, everybody, everybody transitioned into Facebook, and I was like, I'm just only going to add people I know. <laughs> um, and obviously, by that time, I was already probably, like, 19 or so, I don't know, 18. But, um... It wasn't until recent that I opened up this account, Chicana Con Sajos, to share a little bit more about my side of, of I don't want to say my side of my story, but uh, of my life as a disabled woman. Um, I do have a private account that's more personal, and then I have this one where I, I want to share a little bit of, of, of what it is to be a Chicana, and I say Chicana because that's part of my identity. I'm, I'm paraplegic so when I was nine years old I um, I had gone to my cousin's quinceañera in Tijuana and I actually went with her inside the limousine and everything um, and then my dad ended up going after work to meet us at the party and you know like any Mexican they like to drink and so he had a lot of a lot of shots um from what I remember, people saying is that he was drinking a lot of Presidente. That was his, his favorite to drink, Presidente. And we crossed over and um, he, my grandma kept saying, you should stay here at my house because we had left our car in San Isidro, right there by La Bodeguita. Actually, right there by the, I think it's Bayer stop. The trolley station, right? The trolley station, there's like a parking lot right there. So my, my dad's car left his car there. And my grandma was like, you guys should stay at my house. And I just kept saying no, because tomorrow I have catechism. The party was on a Friday. And I had already done my first communion, but I was still going for catechism because of confirmation or whatever. And so I was like, no, I have to go, I have to go. And so my dad's like, yeah, we're leaving. So we took off and it was my dad myself and my younger brother who was seven at the time 
And during this time, my mom's talking to my grandma because my grandma called my mom, telling her like, hey, you know, just calling you to let you know that they're on their way. Give him some time because he is drunk. So he's probably driving slow because he's drunk or he's had a few, you know, I don't know if he's if she said drunk or she, she used the word servido, está servido. So, you know, he's a little, a little tipsy. So, um, so they're talking, my mom's talking, my mom's like, you know what? It's been like 40 minutes. And from San Isidro to Logan, it doesn't take that long. I mean, it takes some time, but it doesn't take that long. She's like, let me hang up because he's not, he hasn't arrived. And I'm afraid that his car might have, a, a, a tire or something might have happened. Because the car was a Hyundai. I don't know the year, but it was, it was a bucket. And so my mom hangs up. And as soon as she hangs up, she gets the phone call. Nobody wants to get, right? It's from the cops saying... You know, your your son and daughter has had a car accident along with the dad. If you guys, if you can please get somebody to drive you to Children's Hospital. So my mom, you know, panicking. At this time, we used to live on um, on Harrison and my uncle used to live on Irving. So it's just a block away. So my mom runs to my uncle, just knocking on the door. They had just gotten home from working at the flower shop because, um, They had a wedding to do a great arrangement where my mom was helping my, my aunt. So my aunt's like, what happened? What happened? I don't know. They're just in a, you know, they were in a car accident. We have to go. We have to go. So they go. They're like half asleep, right? Like they were already, I think had just fallen asleep or whatever. And my mom said that as soon as she got to Children's Hospital, the hospital doctor was like, okay, you're going to come see your kids. She said that she sees me first and that I'm talking to her. But I just had a little bit of blood coming out my mouth, but that I was talking to her. And then she goes and sees my brother and he's screaming. He's screaming that he's in pain. And my mom thought that he was the worst one. Then they're like, okay, now, now we can take you outside. So they take her outside. They're like, unfortunately, you know, you're, they were not married, but you know, your spouse or whatever. He, he didn't make it. He passed away. So that was hard, right? So. But at this point, my mom's like, I don't, I didn't even think about him. It was more you guys. So my mom's still to say she doesn't understand why they did my brother's surgery first than mine. But I think, but I, I it, she, it could be, she could have been wrong. I think they might have been doing it at the same time because we have the same doctor. The same doctors worked on both of us. Um, however, I ruptured my aorta, which is the main vein that goes to the heart. And I, and I, um, ruptured parts of my large and small intestines. I did have a seatbelt on, but like I mentioned, our car was old, so it was only a lap belt. Um, and so I even, a big chunk of my hip skin came off as well. And my back broke. I, I'm a T... T10 L2, that's my fracture. And so I became paralyzed from the waist down. Um, so they did my, my the aorta, oh, and I, and I fractured my jaw, or I dislocated my jaw. So they're doing the surgery on my, I guess my stomach area, my abdomen, aorta. A week later, they do the back, from what I remember. Um, and I remember bits here and there. I kind of remember closing 
I mean, we were asleep in the accident. So uh, at the impact, I actually fainted and my brother woke up. And, and we're kind of thankful that he woke up because he's the one that told the, oh, we, we, my dad crashed against the, the, the CHP, the California Highway Patrol. On the freeway, by Main Street, one exit before 28th Street. So we were very close to getting home. But if that car that the, so the CHP was given a ticket to a car. So if the CHP wouldn't have been given that ticket to that car on the freeway, my dad would have rolled over. Cause he would have, I mean, if he would have gone that way, he would have rolled over. But he hit the CHP, injuring some of the police members. And I think somebody else from the other car, but nothing serious. Um, I remember I met the, the cops, they came and they gave us a little tender. <laughs> um, but my brother, I just remember, I, I remember things, just hearing like, open the door, open the door. But I, I don't remember seeing anything. I just remember hearing. And I was right behind my dad. So I think because he got the most impact, that's probably why I got hit the most. Because I we probably hit each other at some point. Or that side, it was probably the worst that was hit. I'm, I'm not sure, but I was the worst compared to my brother. Unless because I was taller than him, but I got worse. I, I don't know. Um, and what's interesting is that I never sat behind my dad. I used to always sit behind my mom, and my brother used to sit behind my dad. This time we split, we switched it. My mom, she couldn't, like I said, at this time she was undocumented, so she couldn't go to Tijuana, but she also was working at the flower field, or at the flower shop with my aunt, working that, that um, quinceanera. And if you believe about superstitious stuff, there was a lot of creepy things that happened that day that my mom recalls. She says that she was wait, she was looking for her sandals and she couldn't find them. And they ended up being inside a bucket. And inside that bucket, they had it had red dye because you know how flowers they sometimes they mm-hmm. oh to, to change the color. Yeah. So she was like, okay, that was odd, right? Like now I think about it, like blood or whatever. And then she was reaching in for her for something for her inside her purse. And her little compact mirror makeup was shattered into million pieces. So if you know a little bit about mirror superstitions, that's also superstition is also something negative, right? But she didn't think of anything of it then until like later. She's like, oh my god, all these things are happening. So the doctor comes out after 12 hours of doing the first surgery on me and says, if you believe in a god. You better start praying because we don't give her 72 hours to make it. Like she only has 72 hours, and then those 72 hours are critical. She may or may not make it. She might die. And so my mom, being Catholic, and she used to teach catechism in Mexico for 20 years. Um, she thought she was never going to have kids. <laughs> So she was always very devoted to teaching kids about you know, catechism or whatnot. And then she comes over here to the States in the 80s. And she's 36 years old. And that's when she has me at 37, 40 when she has my brother. So she's like, I don't know, maybe I wasn't not meant to have kids. But I'm like, no, you were meant to have us. <laughs> it's just things yeah. happen for a reason. And this was the reason, right? For what? no idea maybe it is to inspire people or remind people that others have it worse or be grateful for what you have or 
even if there's even if you have that person for a short time period, you know period of time like I have my dad only for nine years and even then those nine years were cut short because he didn't come into my life until I was three years old and because he was you know he could go back and forth <laughs> um and so I didn't have him all those nine years and he was very he was a very like old school guy machista liked my brother more than he liked me I was more the mom girl you know so I have a lot of maybe internal issues when it comes to that you know um I don't know how to show affection a lot because I was not given it given that affection in that sense I got it through my mom but in different ways so um my brother he also had similar injuries not as severe as mine we were actually airlifted by the helicopter they closed on the freeway the news was like everywhere according to my mom they had they wanted to interview her but she said no because she's like I don't I feel like if they if they were to interview me they're trying they're trying to mess me up with like your care or what what you know whatever Mm -hmm. so she was like no but it still came out on the news um and by that time I had my brothers coming down from Oxnard obviously to be with us and arrange funeral arrangements for my dad my neighbor swears that she heard the water go off in my apartment at five in the morning and no one was there but that was the time that my dad would get up to shower and they swear that they heard like things and, and we were we, we could hear each other's like bathroom sometimes i'd be like hey what are you doing but she's like dude creepy shit happening in your apartment when you guys are not there so I was in the hospital for three months. Um, I didn't know that my dad passed away until a month later. Once I was more stable, they decided to tell me, they're like, hey, you know, we want to tell you something, your dad. We tried everything. I'm like, what, he died? They're like, yeah. And I just, I think I knew. And I was nine. I don't know how I knew, but I knew. And I see my nieces and nephews for nine. I'm like, how would you, like, how... I can't picture myself being that age and being so mature for what I was going through. Or maybe that's what made me mature fast. I'm not sure. But I do remember before them telling me that my dad had passed away that I would always ask for him. But I couldn't speak because I had tubes down my mouth. Um, and so I would write. And it's interesting. I've always been writing so I would write on the, on the on the board and I'd be like, where's my dad? And my mom would tell me, oh, he's in a different hospital. And she swears that I would say no and I would just go like this, like with my hands and just kind of point up to the sky. And my brother swears that my dad came, waved at him and left the room. Maybe he did see him, you know, like they say that kids see things, right? And he was a kid, he was seven. Um... And so during this time, I was in rehab. I was learning how to um, how to put on my pants, how to put on the shirt, how to do wheelies. I fell a couple times backwards because I was trying to be all cool, and boom, um, I fell. Um, I got an ileostomy bag, which is different from a colostomy. Um, it's your small intestines, it's in your stomach, and that's where you go, number two. Um, and so for the longest time, I think I mentioned this in Tony's uh, podcast, Rodium Radio, that I was so embarrassed for my friends to know that that's where I would go to the bathroom. Especially like boyfriends that I had, they would not know unless 
unless they were like really really close to me at some point and even then I was like, I don't know. um and I didn't I didn't think that that was <coughs> an issue until now as an adult thinking back how how that was a big you know insecurity of mine and that was one of the reasons why I was probably so tomboyish and wearing all these jackets and baggier stuff because I didn't want that bulge to show up in my you know my stomach or whatnot um and now I'm you know I'm using this platform to kind of talk about this like if you have one don't be ashamed you know part of you it's just normal people and, and not only people in wheelchairs have one not a lot of people in wheelchairs have an exhaustion someone can be walking and need and need one and need one right I've, I've met people that have them um so yeah so during this time actually I couldn't really eat so I had a feeding tube through my stomach um I could eat a little bit but not I couldn't really hold like a lot of food and my mom I mentioned she was undocumented so she did not have like full-on custody of us it was my aunt that had I guess like it's not custody but like legal guardianship or whatever um so my mom was going through her um her legal statuses and ironically thanks to the accident um thanks to doctor's notes and even the priest wrote something um she was granted residency but prior to that they had her sign this paperwork in English and she didn't know what she was signing but it was her own deportation so she had to appeal it she had to appeal it and that's where you know because of these letters and because she was always involved in our school like she would always be in like the ASB and all that like for the parents or what was it called PTS PTS PTA she was always in that selling nachos at memorial you know she was she was cool she would hook it up <laughs> but um all of that helped her and so it was rough you know thinking back I'm like I was nine years old translating to my mom all these things all these things that the doctors were telling me things that I didn't even know how to translate because they speak in a different tongue right um and then my brother too like he had a it looked like a turtle shell but it was it's a brace like a back brace mm-hmm. um and so unfortunately you know my mom was always with me taking care of me at the hospital that my cousins kind of had to like look out for him um during such hard times so you know I think I think all of that it was just too much it was too much to go through at the same time losing my dad my dad um my mom going through her legal status and then having to raise me in a wheelchair and then my brother who could barely walk um you know it was, it was a lot and then throughout the years eventually I mean I've been so blessed that my family and friends have always been there for us whenever we needed something they're like we got you they would they would even build ramps just so that I can go over to their homes because before they used to carry me <laughs> um and it got to the point that I was always at my cousin's house and like now we need to we need to make a ramp because it's too much carrying and um, and always the homies that would carry me right but sometimes they weren't there and I'm like I want to go um and so as the years went by one time I got sick and the doctors didn't know what was going on they're like becoming really pale I ended up having gallstones and um and they were being stuck uh in the bile ducts so it gave me pancreatitis so my pancreas got inflamed 
and I couldn't eat for like a whole month. They had me hospitalized. And there's no cure for that. There's no medicine that can like help you for pancreatitis. Pretty much you have to stop eating and drinking until that slows down, like goes down. So I was let go on a low fat diet. I was 14. And then at 17, they're like, okay, we have to remove your gallstones because they're getting worse. And so I got that removed. Fast forward like a couple or like 10 years or so, I was diagnosed with a hiatohernia, gastritis, acid reflux, and now I have colitis. And I say this because I think it all goes back to obviously the accident. When I when I had the accident, there was other organs that were hit, but they were not severely like injured. Bad habits of eating, eating habits, because we were, my dad, you know, we, we no longer have had him. And I want to bring that up because I always thought my boyfriend, Juan Carlos, I'm like, man, I remember back in the day, going to Burger King was like once every two months or something. Like we had to earn it. Mm-hmm. You wanted Pizza Hut, you better read those 25 books or 15 books in order for you to get that Pizza Hut can or whatever it was that they used to give out. At home, we would eat eggs, beans, rice, carne asada. Carne asada and chile mucajete is like a for my home. Everything else, it was like not like luxury, right? And then the accident happened and my mom, I think she was trying to make us feel better. <laughs> So she was like, oh, you want Burger King? Okay, what do you want next? Pollo Loco? Okay, we got you. Church's chicken? All right. So we would always eat that. And and then, you know, she had a, she had a little bit more income. Um, she was she ended up working for the in-home care, so in-home care service, the IHSS, for working with me, um, helping me my daily day things. She was getting paid. Um, until this day, she still, that's how she works. Um, and so we had a little bit of extra money. We we're not balling, right? Living the hood, <laughs> but we had a little bit more. Or maybe my, or maybe my dad was a little more cheap, or I don't know, right? He also had other children, so he was also taking care of them. So that might have been why we had less food back in the day. But she spoiled us a little bit more, making food a little bit more. So all that eating habit probably contributed to all those gallstones and I know now because now I try to read up on it like why do I have gastric acid reflux and why do I have gastritis and a lot of people that get their gallstones removed end up having issues later on gastritis or acid reflux or hiatohernia and you can control it with obviously with with, with, your, with the diet and eliminating things but then also in my 20 years when I was in, in, in my 20s I'm in my 30s now um I wanted to live up. I wanted to kick it with, with my friends, have a good time, have, have a drink here and there. I don't. I no longer drink. It's been like four years since I stopped drinking. Um, and I think a lot of it also has to do with my accident. I'm like, you know what? Like, nothing good happens when people drink. I also lost a cousin who was drinking and got hit by a, a driver and, and killed him. Um, so I'm like, maybe I shouldn't. I shouldn't. I mean, you don't, you don't have to drink to have a good time, you know? I'm, I can still get locked out without it, <laughs> but um, but it hasn't like yeah I, ha- I have had hurdles in my life and it has not been easy. However, none of that has stopped me from being the person that I wanted to be. I always challenge myself. Like I gave myself a year from high school. Once I graduated from high school, I gave us I gave myself a year off, 
and my friend, my best friend, she's like, hey, I, I just signed you up to go to City College. I'm like, all right, what classes am I taking? <laughs> so she gave me the, the list, right? And one of the first classes was Chicano Studies, Chicano Literature. And that opened a different world that I did not know was there for me. And I say that because a lot of us come from the barrio, right? Whether it's Logan, whether it's in somewhere in South East, Shelton, Sherman, whatever, right? And a lot of us probably didn't finish high school. I know a lot of my friends didn't finish high school, but I did have some teachers who would tell me, you're going to go to college, you're going to go to college. And I used to be like, yeah, right. I don't know anyone in my life who's going to college, let alone like I'm in a wheelchair. You know, like how, how am I going to make it in college? You know, and... And so I always remember that. And then when my friend's like, I signed you up, we're going to go. I'm going to come pick you up. And she would come pick me up in her car. Even pregnant, she would come pick me up. She's like, I got you. And I and I can actually, um, I'm not one of those uh, pros, independent, uh, disabled person, I guess, that I can just, I, I think I can, like if I, I can throw myself into a car, but I use a sliding board which goes underneath my, my legs and I just slide into the car or into my bed. Um, I'm just not too strong enough and I should should be more strong enough that way I can just do it without that. But um, so I would do that and she would just put the chair in her trunk. She got her, herself a car that was big enough so that my chair could fit. Like, who does that? Like, not even some of my family members have done that. For me. She's over here like, I got you. We're going to go to school together. And I was there for a very long time, but during that time in college, I I threw myself into the Chicano Studies Department and the English Department, and I was president of NECHA for, for many years, and I think I mentioned already, we did a lot of walkouts, a lot of uh, protests, a lot of educational things, right? Um, and then eventually I transferred, and even that was, was, was challenging, transferring from a community college to, to down the street, you could take the bus, 929, and they used to drop me off right there. And then now I'm like, shoot, like, I don't know, how am I going to make it to UCSB? I don't drive. I, I, I can if I wanted to, but then I don't have the money to, like, sustain a car and gas here in San Diego. <laughs> um, so... You know, I, I got myself around on the bus, the trolley. I I was very blessed to have gotten a scholarship to UCSD, $20,000. I didn't have to pay for nothing, for anything. Um, and then I was on financial aid. That's another thing that I thought, you know, I maxed out my financial aid at, at City College. I'm not going to have any once I go over to UCSD. They're like, nah, it restarts. I was like, oh, what? Like, I didn't know that. And then I was, I entered a, a, a grant, uh, a program, and they gave you a grant. They gave you grant money. So I got like an extra 3000 So I was able to buy a power chair, electric chair. So that one kind of saved me, <laughs> saved me those, those two years that I was at UCSD going from Logan all the way to La Jolla on the bus and the trolley. And they had all these weirdos trying to talk to me. And I'm just like, dude trying to go over here and that's it like don't talk to me um yeah. and, and there's always some people who are, gonna, who are gonna come up to me and be like what's wrong with you and you know even those some of them don't you know they might not know how to approach you and i would say you know there's some people that are not too open to talk about their disability not everybody has a car accident 
right? So people are born with a disability. Um, but there's certain ways that you can possibly ask someone. But, um, but yeah, so I, I graduated and, and I haven't, like I said, I haven't really done much other than like organizational work um, for, for the organization that I'm a part of. And I have my shirts here and there that I sometimes, sh- uh, sometimes sell. There's a La Logan just as a side money for myself. And I want to create more, maybe some more sh- shirts or something where I can help sustain myself on, on some things because I do want to bring up that being disabled is not cheap. You know, I'm fortunate that I do have health insurance. Um, but if I were to decide to work a full-time job, my health insurance might be, you know, I have to probably get a good job where they do have a good health insurance because I'm always, not always, but as of lately, I've been hospitalized so many times and you guys have seen that. And yeah. that's not cheap. So I'm just have to call an ambulance. And if you've ever been in an ambulance, that's at least a thousand something. 1300 um, minimum. Right. And so, you know, that's another thing I told my boyfriend. I'm like, I want to get married. But the moment I get married, my benefits will, will stop. And then I become dependent of you because you're my husband. And you have to be able to just look. But that's how it is. Like, that's why a lot of, I got you. I got a lot you. of disabled people don't get married because now their spouse has to t- take care of them. And the insurance issue health benefits just for me to use the restroom for my bags for my Yosemite bags like like I said I'm lucky that I have insurance that you know I don't have to pay for them but if I were to show you how much it is it's over a hundred dollars for a month supply some of my medication for the colitis is six hundred dollars for a month supply so I'm like I really do need to think about like how can I work and I can work part-time but even then, like the times I've been hospitalized, you know, I'm like, or when I get the gastritis flare up that I can't, I can't even get up. So I'm like, how, how am I going to be able to work? I have to be my own boss. So I'm trying to create something where I can become my, my own, I guess my own boss. And, and maybe, maybe I should do some type of YouTube or, um, what is it called? Patreon or something like that, where I, there's a subscription. And I've been thinking about that, maybe sharing a little bit more about my day-to-day life, questions that my people might have on relationships, right? Because just because I'm in a wheelchair doesn't mean I can't have sex or I can't have a boyfriend or I can't have, you know, other things, right, that normal people have or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stigma behind that. And so I tell my boyfriend, we're going to get married, but we're just not going to write anything legally. I'm like, go. we're just going to have a ceremony and people are going to celebrate us. Nobody has to know um, legally, right? And that's how a lot of people do it. And it sucks, right? But it, we need to educate people to know about the laws and how we can also maybe change that. And and there is a movement behind that. Um, I'm just not too, too versed on it. But... I'm, I'm a strong believer, Joni. Like, I'm a strong believer that... That the struggle that you go through personally, the struggle I go through personally, the struggle that Albert goes through personally, we gain something out of struggling. Of course. So that way, if you come across a person that maybe day one of the struggle and you're day 145, your journey is not exactly identical, but you can give them tools to be able to navigate through their journey. Right. And and hearing just just a just a. Again, I know you, you paraphrased a lot of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But hearing that, 
and you got somebody that is just lazy and doesn't mm-hmm. want to get up and motivate themselves, right? Or you got the person that is is going through a similar struggle like you are and they're not sure if they can do it. Hearing mm-hmm. your story, maybe that maybe that motivation or that fire under them that's gonna that's gonna get them get them to to go and get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, when you were saying like whether it should be a YouTube channel or shit, maybe maybe even your own podcast where you interview people or you talk to people or you mm. know motivational speaker. I don't know what that is, man, but I, I I believe that everything that you've gone through, everything that you accomplished, every all the experience that you have, the types of people that you've worked with, it's not for nothing. And I think you say you need to find something that's yours. That's you, like that. <laughs> that's Joni Lowe. You know what I'm saying? That that that's who you are. You know what I'm saying? Like. Again, hearing your story, hearing hearing you speak, knowing where you've come from and what you've accomplished, man, it's it's amazing. You're an amazing person, and I think there's more people that can benefit from your story and just from your personality and who you are in this world. And it's time to time to spread it and get it out there, right? And I was Let's also do it. and I was also doing the. I mean, during COVID, I guess that's a positive thing that came out of COVID, and I mean, we're still not. It's been over it, right? But um, yeah. the cooking, I I was like, well, I want to show more of my cooking. And it's not like, I mean, I think I'm pretty good. Like, my boyfriend, Juan Carlos, is like, oh, that shit's so bomb. Like, I can eat this every day, whatever. And, and even yeah. my mom, she's like, how did you make the rice? I'm like, I don't know. You taught me how to make it. I'm just copying what you taught me. But um, yeah, I, I wanted to highlight that as well because for the longest time, I didn't cook because I was in school. And I live with my mom, right? We we help each other pay rent. Um, we go half and half. Her money's my money. My money's her money. Whatever. But um, she used to always cook for for me. And then now I was like, no, I and now that I I'm I'm no longer in school. I have time. But also I want to learn because obviously I want a tradition, right? Like I want to learn her dishes with my my dad's mom taught her how to cook. Her swagger taught her how to cook. But um, as a disabled woman, again, going back to that, like, it, it's hard. It's hard being in front of the stove <laughs> and, yeah. and you're frying. I know, I, I know, or not because I'm short. <laughs> but um, but you know what's what's interesting is I I sometimes I put hashtags on my cooking things that I've made a few videos here and there. I need to get back on that. My I need I need more memory on my phone or actually buy myself a camera. Maybe I'll I try to sell some food so I can make myself a little extra money so I can buy some equipment. But um I um I do hashtags and there's been people that have followed me because of those hashtags on my cooking. They're like, Oh, I have gastritis. So sometimes when I have gastritis flare up, I'll put what I eat during that time. Um it's very plain, but it helps if I eat it for a couple of weeks and I'm like I feel I feel good. But um, other girls are like, I have never cooked because I'm also in a wheelchair and the struggle is real, right? Or they're maybe they're quad, quadriplegic, or they can't really move their, their hands or whatnot. So I'm like, oh, I wanna, I wanna share that you know we do cook as well. Just because we're disabled mm-hmm. doesn't mean we can't. Like, if there's a will, there's a way, right? But I also don't see a lot of Chicanas, disabled Chicanas on Instagram. So I'm like, I wanna show a little bit of, of that and maybe others who are going through the same or or identify themselves like themselves as a brown head 
they can see themselves. And so far, I've gotten a few people, and even one of them lives here in San Diego, and she's not in a wheelchair, but she also has a disability. And she mentioned just just things like we, we just mentioned right now, right? Like, okay, I can do it as well. And she created her own account now for to share some of her stories or her struggles and how she nav- navigates through life. Um, and it's not always inspirational. You know, we always go through struggle. We always, like you said, even yourself, right? Like everybody has something. And my accident, you know, I, I don't take it as like, I mean, it was sad. It was a very sad thing, traumatic thing that happened to me. But if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. I wouldn't know what I know now, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and all the people that have come to my life and that have gone now because, you know, you always, not all your friends stay in the same, you know, with you, but they're there and, you know, but um, I've learned through so many people from old people to younger people, all all races, you know, and and I do want to share. I, I do want to share everything that that I've, you know, that I've dealt with, the good, the bad, you know. I've had yeah. assholes that have said shit to me, you know, and, you know, and then I have really amazing people that there. There's more amazing people, right, than negative people, I feel like, or at least in my life. And I'm really appreciative of, of everything, of all the experiences. So uh, if somebody wants to buy your shirts or they want to see your cooking videos or see the day in the life of Joni Bloke, uh, what's your Instagram so they can look it up? Uh, Chicana con Safo. And I also have a YouTube channel. I need to, like I said, I just need to be more consistent and actually upload more things. And I'm very fortunate that I have an awesome boyfriend. He also sings and he also does. Hey, uh, shout out his clothing line too. Yeah, shout out his information for his clothing line. Perseverance uh, clothing. Um, he also sings and raps. And, um, he's also uh, an organizer with Nandel Barrio as well with himself. So we have a lot in common. Um, shout out to Juan Carlos. Yeah, shout out to my, to my boyfriend. But um, he's always like, hey, you know, I'm down to do whatever whatever video you want to do. Let's do it. Like, he wants to record me all the time. I'm like, no, I want you to do it with this too. And then I have friends who are like, yeah, I'll come out too. Let's do it. I'm like, all right, cool. It's just... Yeah. ALR is <laughs> still trying to get me to, to give the okay to have YouTube videos for our show, but I don't know. <laughs> unless you can put like Brad Pitt's face over me, then it, it wouldn't happen. You know what I'm saying? I've I've had people come up to me. They're like, oh, I follow you on Instagram. And I'm like, I think I know who you are. You're like, There's been at least two people, but they're from my from my neighborhood. So I like, I know, right on. you know, I, right they're on. not a complete stranger. Right on. Does anybody you want to shout out? Uh, shout out everybody who who rocks with me, you know, who supports me, my family. Today's my today's my brother's birthday. He turned forty nine, um, and um, you know, I, I didn't mention, but I I I lost a brother as well a couple years ago. Um, that was really 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 hard as well. Um, but I wrote about him when he was alive. And so he was able to read how I felt, and it was it was a beautiful thing that I that I did that. And I think that's why it's important to document, and whether it's through pictures like Albert does, right, or podcasts, or writing books, um, to share and to kind of immortalize our experiences. And, and you know, I always get asked to speak to, to students, whether it's in high school. Or I did high school a couple weeks ago, and this college that I go and talk to 
I took honors and I took all of and I was a nerd, I was a nerd, believe it or not. But um so so yeah, so there's like a lot and I talk a lot. Um and then okay. the work that I do with the New England Barrio. It's all good though, that's why you're here. The work that I do with the New England Barrio is the prison work and we do we have this uh, newsletter called Las Calles y la Tortida. And so I'm one of the editors and writers and, and you know, write to the prisoners and we have more than 300 people that we write to. And it's political stuff and cultural stuff. So, you know, I'm really involved in that. And then right now with Unión del Barrio, we're actually fundraising uh, a mural uh, for a mural that's going to be at Chicano Park. Um, we're going to be in front of the kiosco. And our goal is $30,000. So if you even have $5, <laughs> You can go to Venmo and just put Leon del Barrio. You can donate, um, and you know we're right now. I think we're at ten thousand, so we still have twenty thousand <laughs> to go. But this okay. is, you know, the community that we um, that we are part of, and you know, all the struggles that we that we are in the lucha every day out here. Yeah. So yeah, you guys can reach me at um, Chicana con Tapos. I'm pretty open if you guys have any questions, whether it's about you know culture or anything i'm pretty i'm pretty open just come correct <laughs> no doubt we appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your story and sure. sharing stuff that most people would be uncomfortable sharing um sharing your experiences your opinions um i just appreciate your time i know you're a busy person so uh taking time out of your, out of your I schedule use, and i use coming uh, with us. i use google google calendar <laughs> I literally have to put, like, what am I going to do today? Because if not, I forget. I used to be, you know, when I was younger, I used to remember things. Now I'm like, what did I have to do today? Well, it was funny because when I, I said, hey, what are you doing on Tuesday at <laughs> 630? And she, uh, Albert, she, uh, she a sent me a, a screenshot of her calendar. There was like nothing. I was like, okay. She's like, I got to use Google Calendar because if not, I'm going to forget. Because yeah, for tomorrow, so I, tomorrow I have two things. Like I have the interview for the documentary and then I have a meeting that uh, in the evening so and they usually run a couple hours as well so it seems like i don't do anything you guys but i do trust me i'm editing you're you're on the you're on the go i i i I, I, I probably go on social media (laughs) i'm doing things i mean you know i i do it out of i think i think that's another reason why i'm a community organizer or activist if you will whatever because of the struggle of our people like we have to we have to be there for for a gente you know one way or another um we don't get money from from other people. We fundraise. That's how we get the money that we do get, and and um, we're out there, you know, patrolling the community from ICE or whatnot. And there's a lot of stuff that we do with, with another barrio. But if I'm not doing that, then I'm cooking. I want to I want to um, possibly sell some birria or some tinga or something to kind of get some, get some fun, so I can get. I I, I either want to get a camera or a new computer but I think I want to get a camera so that I can start recording things and um, I can use maybe Juan Carlos' computer he has a Mac I can possibly like edit things there and um, start producing things so my phone is cool or whatever but I don't have enough memory to buy yeah that's, a, that's the struggle is real on that one yeah so I want to so. I want to do that but I know that people are like I want to try your food I'm like alright I need to just do it and then Maybe do pre-sell, and then I can be like, okay, come get your plate. Come or, get your plate. Yeah, that'd be dope. Or, or come do, or maybe, and, or and maybe do it. Nine of them. <laughs> or maybe do it in one of these uh, 
one of these local places out here in the community where you can pre-order and pick it up. But um, cool. that's kind of that's kind of what I want to do pretty soon, so I can I can do that and continue selling my my shirt. Some people are like, oh, you should do more than the La Logan um, sweatshirt this time, like hoodie. That's, that's so time I'm of like, year right now. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, I need to get on that. But cool. yeah, no thank hey, you. Hey, who you want to shout out, man? Oh man, I'm just here listening. You know what I mean? Such a story. You know what I mean? It hit. It, <clears throat> you know me, GP. So that her story really hits home for me. You know what I mean? But yeah. uh, I don't know. She knows some of your stuff. I don't know. If she knows a little yeah. bit of the story with your son, but yeah, um, my son was hit by two cars, and uh, he was a quad uh, paralyzed from the neck down. Um, happened in 2008. And um, <clears throat> I was at Children's Hospital with him for like nine months. Every day I'd go over there after work. Uh, I learned uh, how to change his trachea, how to uh, how to maintenance his vending machine, and uh, so like we knew, like when you say you know some of the struggles, you know, mm-hmm. I personally went through it, you know, because when we would get up and go, we just didn't leave. I had to make sure that uh, that. You know, he had everything that he needed, you know, just in case anything happened, um, CPR, you know, his, you know, breathing bag, everything. So, yeah. like, when you say, you know, when they built ramps, we had to build ramp in my house, and mm-hmm. we had to get him a van. And so everything that you said, like, I, I, I know exactly where you're coming from. So it really, you know, it, uh, it hit home. Um, unfortunately, he passed away. Um, not do well... He was bedridden, but he was still going to school. That didn't stop him, but uh, his trachea at night came loose. So he, you know, I guess the nurse fell asleep and uh, he unfortunately passed away. So, yeah, so I, I know where you're coming from and I know how you feel. And, like, I just, you know, it just hits home, you know what I mean? And uh, props to you because you're not letting anything, you know, anything uh, stop you from doing what you're doing. And actually, he was doing better in school after his accident than before his accident. So, he had a, yeah, he was on his way, and um, it was difficult. So, and uh, hearing your story, you know, makes me, makes me feel good knowing that you're out there fighting and you're out there putting in work, you know. You know, letting nothing stop you or nobody stop you because people could be so judgmental. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's just enough to bring anybody down, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah much, much props to you. So, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing, you know, about your son. You know, it's not, it's not easy, not only for the person living it, but also for our parents, right? Like, in my little post, I shouted my mom because I'm like, I don't know how she did it. Like, super mom. And, and right now, mentioning, when you were mentioning that stuff, like, she had to get, the, I think it's every so often, every couple of years, she has to get, like, a certification of the CPR through her work. And she has to, um, um, What's it called? Um, well, when I was eating through the feeding tube, like she had to learn how to do that. She had to learn how to cast me. I eventually learned how to do all that stuff myself. But um, you know, it was it was not an easy easy time. And then in Spanish, you say desveladas, right? Like how many times? She oh yeah. Uh, yeah. At night, like she, there was no sleeping time for her because she was up all night because she had to feed me at night. Um, and so. She'd be like, ando sonambula, I'm like sleepwalking. Um, and it wasn't until, I don't know, a couple years back that she 
she kind of into a better um, sleeping habit. And she's old school, so she always wants to, even though I'm an adult, she still wants to baby me. And I'm like, mom, I need to learn how to do things for myself because you're not going to be here forever and you're getting older. So I, you know, there's going to come a time that I'm going to have to take care of you somehow. Um, and so that's another reason why I wanted to learn how to cook and, and do things around my house, you know, but, and some things I can't. So I'm like, you know, I do need to baby call somebody to come help clean my, my some some parts that I can't reach, right? But but also, you know, give you props for the parents that go through. through yeah. Through yeah. Well. Some long sleepless nights. And uh, yeah, sometimes the machine just go off. Because he was, you know, uh, ventilator dependent. So like we would take turns. You know what I'm saying? So it was tough, real tough. And yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's respect crazy. to both you guys, man. I honestly respect to both you guys and the struggles and what you've been through. It again, it's it's stuff that other people need to hear, and that's why we're here today to hear it. You know, to hear hear the stories and and share and enlighten and grow, and that's that's why we're here. So yeah, thank I you, Johnny, sto- for being on. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate I got, it. I got a story after the show. After we get off the air, I'll tell you guys a story too. So, but yeah, cool. man, GP, you want to give everybody shout outs, man? Um. Jody, um, yeah. yeah, just like, oh, sorry, I thought you kept saying. No, nah, I want to shout oh, no. you out. Like, appreciate oh, no, your time. You. Shout out to Shadow, hey Shadow. I got my booster shot yesterday. Feel like crap, but I'm still here. Um, and that's about it. G Fun Junkie, shout out to G Fun Junkies. Yes, been a, I've been a hermit. I've been <laughs> in the, uh, I've been in the woods. I've been off, of, I've been off the air and waves. And now y'all know why I've been dealing with personal stuff. So. Nothing but love, yeah. so if I don't shout answer, out, it's all good. Shout out to the junkies, man. Shout out to Wise, man. Hey, man, I'm just busting your chops all the time, dog. Don't get mad at me, dog. <laughs> <laughs> you know that I'm just busting his chops, man. But shout out to Wise. Shout out to Six. Shout out to Shadow. Shout out to everybody, man, that listens to us. And uh, yeah, I got I got to I got to see Alonzo the other day. The other day on the other muertos, he came by to our community on that at Chicano Park and. Yeah. He thought he was only going to come put a picture and we're over here like, help out. Let's put it together. Oh, that's part of and putting it, it together. Yeah. And No, but he enjoyed that. He said that he had never done an that and he learned, learned a lot. And a lot of it's just community, right? That's, that's the whole point. Of, of getting community. to know who's who, yeah. Definitely. Right. So, so, yeah, cool. so it was pretty cool. Pretty cool. So oh, with, yeah. that, with that, that's the episode. Those Chunkies. 65? Episode 65. Yeah, we'll everybody. Hey, everybody time. was asking, "Hey, what was the show? What was the show?" I said, "GPA is not found. He's in my G- GPA is not the name, dude. That's what it is. <laughs> GPA is not the name. GPs are. He's in my basement. There you go. I have him in my uh, basement. Those chunkies, yeah. and we and we, yeah, out, we are out. We are out. Peace.